Okay, so I just want to go over some of my notes that I took on this podcast with Elon Musk. He popped up on a podcast I've never even heard of. I guess they just started. It's called For Your Innovation, and the scope of their about 30-minute discussion was basically uh, on these this huge technological shift from uh, two electron two electron electric vehicles, excuse me, and then mostly speaking about autonomous driving. So I want to get into the first note and then tell you a little bit more about Ark Invest, and it kind of makes sense. Um, so it says in, um, they ask the question, or I guess they they make the statement before. It's not really a question; they just make a statement to Elon. They say. Um, innovation is being completely mispriced in the public markets as the public markets go passive. And to, to that statement, uh, Elon responded. He says, I totally agree. John Bogle, who's the inventor of the index fund. And if you listen to Founders Podcast, you know I did two podcasts on him. That's uh, Founders number 57 and 58, if you're interested in learning more. So Elon says, John Bogle was awesome. May he rest in peace. He just passed away a few months ago. And he says, one of his last comments was the passive index funds are too big. I was actually surprised by that. I didn't know that John said that. But when I heard that part, I thought, it was, you know, that's kind of a strange way to start a podcast. And then I went to ARK Invest's website. And so let me just read how they describe themselves. And it kind of makes sense in this context. It says, ARK seeks to identify disruptive innovation in the public markets. Re-research a global universe that spans sectors and market capitalizations to offer investment solutions with low correlation to traditional index-based strategies because we believe innovation is key to growth. So this is a bit of like a word salad there just saying, hey, we're going to try to um, outperform um, index-based strategies and we're going to just invest on things we, are, we think are disruptive. Um, so I don't know, you know, that may work out for them, but after reading and seeing all the data in the books on John Bogle, it's pretty clear that very few people are actually able to do that over the long term. Okay, so then they go back into some of the research, like why they are so bullish on Tesla and, and electronic vehicles or electric vehicles in general. It says, we believe that due to cost declines in battery pack systems, we will see EV sales increase from 1.3 million in 2018 to 26 million by 2023. So that's basically a 20-fold increase in, in five years. And they think this will happen if battery capacity and production capacity is there. And then they ask Elon, like, what do you think of our research? And he says, that sounds about right. You might be off by a year or two, but not much. And then what happens next? I, th I wonder how different this is based on what just happened with Elon, um, with getting a, in, uh, in trouble with some of his tweets with the SEC and, and otherwise. Because he goes on to like, he sounds, I don't know how to put it in this interview, but um, I mean, he, he, his, his normal personality is there, but it, I just feel like he's more guarded. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't have any like specific thing to point to other than just, I've heard a lot of podcasts with him and I've listened to him talk for several hours and it just, it, I just hope everything goes well with Tesla. Cause, uh, I believe in obviously like what they're trying to do. And I, I think their products are amazing and I think Elon's very interesting, but, um, I just, he's just under an insane amount of stress. And I think the difference between like hearing a podcast with Elon compared to the other founders that we normally cover, it's just like the level of complexity this guy's engaged in is just very, it's so far outside of anything else that most of us are working on that it's, um, it's interesting how he's able to, to adapt to it. But anyways, so that, the reason I say that is because what he says next, he's like, yeah, okay, well your numbers might be right. Like there might be a 20 fold increase in EV production in five years. Now, obviously, he could, he'll benefit from that financially if that's the case, but he, he, he says, listen, I want to emphasize that if I give estimates, there's a lot of guesswork here, especially on an exponential curve, which I think this point is really important. A year or two on an exponential curve, a year or two of difference is enormous. And then he goes, you know, 
kind of referencing a lot of the stress that he's been under. He's like, we got a lot of criticism for the number of cars we delivered in 2017. The area under the curve of production in 2017 was quite small because it was the beginning of an exponential ramp. Once that got going, the area under the curve was enormous. People were so shocked. Last year, and then he's talking about what, like, what, what the difference a year or two makes in exponential growth is. Last year, we made about as many cars as we did in our entire history. And so they, they're saying, you know, uh, the response by the, the people who's being interviewed was most people thought it was important. And he makes the really important um, point. He's like, if you were doing a linear exp- extrapolation, it certainly would be. And that's the um, really hard, um, I think, thing to understand because for most of human existence, our brains were very linear focused, you know, one foot, one step in front of the other. And we're not really... Um, I don't think we're really adapted well to a, to a world where power laws kind of rule everything around us. Um, so he says when making, he's going to continue his, his, um, his opinion on um, like the, the hard part about making these kind of projections, especially when he feels like the growth in, in EVs is going to be exponential. He says when making estimates against an exponential curve, small changes in the calendar breakpoint have enormous percentage differences. He's going to give us an example of this in a minute. The time difference is small, but the percentage difference is enormous. Okay, so this is what he was saying. He's like, my estimate of getting to 5,000 cars per week, which is the, the peak production of, the I think, the Model 3 for Tesla, was off by approximately six months. So this is the difference between the difference uh, between a small change in a calendar break, break point and what that actually means. In the grand scheme of things, six months late for a massive new program is not too much. However, this was characterized in the press in terms of the percentage of units instead of the calendar shift, meaning it was perceived as a massive shortfall when in fact it was merely a six-month delay. And so he's saying with all that in mind, this is what I meant about you know him having to parse language more than he normally does, at least in my opinion, um, is he says with that in mind, or I'm, those are my notes actually, but with that in mind, if you're asking what my guess for production for Tesla in 2021 is, it's 1.5 million cars which is insane if that actually happens. Um, I loved, so then they, the, the, the discussion shifts more into autonomy software, which is, uh, you know, there's going to be tons of people, uh, like tons of electric vehicles are going to be produced, cars, bikes, all kinds of uh, ways to, to move human beings. But as, as um, like as innovative that, as that may be, if we get fully autonomous cars, if that ever does happen, like that's much more, like that's much more of a, disruption to use that overly used word so he says you can think of our cars long term as carriers for autonomy software they are a vehicle literally and figuratively figuratively for autonomy software that's kind of gives you an idea of how he thinks about like what he does day to day he says i still think the last 10 percent of autonomy is extremely difficult or even the last one percent of autonomy is really difficult but I think we will be feature complete, full self-driving this year. So what does that mean? Because um, that's not a normal sentence you hear. He says, meaning the car will be able to find you in a parking lot, pick you up, take you all the, all the way to your destination without an intervention, meaning human intervention. I am certain of that. That is not a question mark. This is where he gets a lot more definitive and why you might be asking yourself, why is he being so definitive? He says, um, well, first, before we get there, he says, some people extrapolate that to, that to mean, what he, his previous statement, that it works with 100% certainty, requiring no observation perfectly. That is not the case. 
Uh, so he says, once it's feature complete, then we have to figure out how many nines of reliability do you want it to be? So I had to Google what, what that even means. So it's basically like how many nines when you say um, like the probability of something working. So it's 99.999999. And as you add each nines, the, the, um, like the, your expected outcome should be, you should be getting closer to like being more accurate with your expected out- outcome. So you're saying we have to figure out, do we want a 99.9% reliable? Do we want a 99.99999% reliable? Like figure out how many of nines we need there. And then once you get to past that, when do rec- regulators agree if it's reliable? And so now we can, he, he, he makes a statement that kind of uh, helps us understand why he's so definitive about, hey, this is not a question mark. I'm certain that we're there. And he's saying, I manage autopilot engineering directly every week in detail. I'm certain of this. Um, so then he talks about like, you know, that's that's on Tesla's end. But there's a lot of things outside of Tesla's control. So he says something we don't control. When will regulators allow these features to be turned on with human oversight? And then the next step, when can this be done without human oversight? Meaning when will lawmakers actually allow that to happen? Um, and then he just goes into, I've heard him actually reference this before, but he's like, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I start a company because the company is the best, like the most effective way to solve a problem. Right. But he really doesn't feel Think of himself as just a business person. He thinks of himself as an engineer. So he says, some people think that I'm a business person or a finance person. I'm an engineer. I do engineering. I always have. I wrote software for 15 or 20 years. I understand technology and software at a fundamental level. I think we have an extremely good technical team. And I'm certain we will get this done this year. And then he talks about like, why can Tesla get this done when, you know, you have a lot of other uh, companies that have, they've either, either larger companies have purchased um, autonomous driving units, like small companies that are doing that. And then kind of, as this happens, you've seen them kind of roll back their projections. Like, oh, we're going to be able to do it within five years. And they're like, oh, maybe it's, now it's going to be 10 or 20. And then some of them have said, oh, we're way, we're way farther than anybody thinks we are. So Tesla is kind of the outlier here and, and here's one reason why. He says, the advantage we have that is very difficult to overcome is that we have a vast amount of data on interventions because they've got hundred, what tens of thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of cars with autopilot on the road right now. So this says, effectively, the customers are training the system to drive. There are millions of corner cases that are so obscure and weird, you wouldn't believe it. So he talks about like things that like one-off situations when or one in a million um, situations that the, that the system still has to be uh, capable of handling so and different things can out can influence that like the weather dirt snow wind all kinds of uh, weird things so he says every time somebody intervenes means meaning they take over from autopilot that information is saved and uploaded to our system so they're they're kind of identifying all these like long tail situations uh, and the longer the system runs the more data they're going to be able to collect then he goes into you know there's different approaches to that people that different companies are thinking like how how to reach full autonomy, and one of those is lidar. So I'm just gonna read from you, and I linked in the email to the lidar um, Wikipedia page if you want to learn more. But lidar is an acronym that stands for uh, light imaging detection and ranging. It's basically it's a surveying method that measures distance to a target by illuminating the target with a pulse laser light and measuring the reflected pulse with a sensor. So Elon thinks. Uh, that reliance on LiDAR is unwise. Um, it gets, he's saying um, LiDAR gets you to a certain point, but no further. A series of if-then statements and LiDAR will not solve it. You have to solve vision, perception, essentially understanding, and then it is solved. You don't need anything else. And if you really think of um, how humans drive, like 
that's what we've solved. And even though we're really terrible at it, I mean, a million people a year die in accidents, uh, uh, car accidents. But we have vision, we have perception, and we have, you know, some level of understanding. <laughs> um, oh, this part made me laugh because he was just talking about, like, uh, he has a st- this quote. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, let's see. Okay, so he says, no matter how you slice the data, it is unequivocal at this point that it is safer to have autopilot on. So what he means by that is like, so when somebody dies, when they have autopilot engaged, you know, the press covers that they're like, Tesla's killing people. And if you look at the data, it's like, I don't have it in front of me, but at some point it was like a person dies every like 93 million miles or something like that, right? It might be way lower than that, but you'll understand like the the number, my numbers might might not be accurate, but the... The difference between the two numbers is, is you'll get the point. So let's say uh, a human pilot, a driver, somebody dies every 93 million miles. With autopilot, the last data I saw was like they die every like 150 million or something like that. So it's like almost two times as safe. And I think as time went by, that those numbers got a lot uh, more favorable and like in Tesla's position. So um, he's just basically saying like I don't you know I, I don't really engage in these arguments with people about autopilot because it's like the data's clear. Like, it's much safer to drive with it on. That doesn't mean you fall asleep and ignore it, meaning your hands should be on the wheel, but let the car, like, navigate, right? Or, I guess, drive, or whatever the case is. So, um, he, he, and he was just, right around this, this part of the discussion, he just made me laugh, because he's, this is how he describes how humans drive now. He says, we drive cars with basically two cameras that aren't very good, meaning your eyes, on a gimbal that doesn't move very fast, meaning your head and neck. So, I thought that was funny. I think he's going to talk a little bit about neural nets and, and some of the what you need like to actually solve the problem of autonomous driving. He says, if you want a complex neural network, you need a combination of software and hardware. Your software needs to be better to compensate if the hardware is weaker. And then he g- draws an analogy for, for us laymen. He says, think about how video games progress. It's a combination of software and hardware. No amount of clever software could produce a video game of today, meaning the quality, on old hardware. It's the same for neural nets. So ostensibly, they they be getting better and better as software increases, but also as hardware catches up. Um, and then they talk about like why did you start off autonomy on like highway driving, you know? And first of all, it's probably easier. But he he says we start off with highway autonomy because that tends to be what matters most. Stop and go traffic is painful. Freeways are usually congested in every city in the world, and highway accidents tend to be a higher velocity and more dangerous. Fatalities are very much related to speed. So when I was younger. A lot younger. I used to drive ir- recklessly, irresponsibly. I love speed like like most young people do. And I did that for a while until I realized like the, the, the how nonlinear um, the outcome for speed was. So what I mean by that is like if you get an accident at 40 miles an hour and then you get an accident at 80 miles an hour and there's data. I saw this data online one, uh, somewhere, uh, a lo- somewhere a long time ago. But basically... Um, an accident at 80 miles an hour is not twice as or as bad as getting an accident at 40 miles an hour. It's something like five or six times, whatever the number is. It's just like way out. It's way more exaggerated, like way worse for you. And ever since then, I really try to avoid like going fast ever. In fact, I'll try to drive like local roads, even if driving on the highways, um, faster. Okay. So he says fatalities are very much related to speed. So that's kind of what I was just talking about there. And then um, it was a short interview, so I'm just going to close here because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so these people are at ARK Invest sound like they're very um, bullish on Tesla. 
And you know, at the end of at the end of the interview, they're like, "Thank you so much for you know all all that you're doing. You're like you're really changing the world." And he just starts laughing. And I was like, "What is he laughing about?" And then he explains why. And I'll just close here. He says, "Uh, um." Because they're like, thank you for changing the world. They literally said that to him. And he says, uh, when I hear companies say they're changing the world, I think of Silicon Valley, the show on HBO. The show is pretty funny. Literally every company says that, that they're making the world a better place by social, mobile, and crypto.